Well, hey, Kairos. I'll say, bless the Lord. If you say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. We want to be the kind of church and people that engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody, including in this attic. Um, so thanks for joining us online. I don't know how much longer we'll be in the attic together. Currently, we're meeting outside for Kairos on Tuesday nights. But we are dreaming and we are scheming about what it looks like to get back together in person and inside in a climate-controlled environment. I'm not sure this attic is hospitable for humanity during the hot and humid Tennessee summers. I'm about to die of heat exhaustion, so if I pass out, someone come find my body. But I'll have some fond memories of this attic, working from home and digitally gathering with you guys. I know it wasn't normal. I know it wasn't ideal. I know it isn't what we all had planned. But for many of us, that's the road that we find life's greatest joy and surprises. Unexpected, unplanned, and yet utterly delightful. We've had around 600 people gathering for the last three weeks out in front of the church, on the grass, having blue monkey shaved ice, kids running around. It's been great. It's been unexpected. It's been unplanned. And it's been utterly delightful for me. I'm preaching on top of a big Tex gooseneck trailer like some sideshow circus evangelist, unexpected, unplanned, but it's been utterly delightful. And ask old Tommy Stanfield, or Tommy Trailer, as I've given him a nickname and haven't told him. He was a friend of a friend who didn't know us or Kairos, and he's been driving his trailer up for us to preach and sing off of every week. Now, when Tommy first dropped the trailer off the Kairos team, we came out to meet him, tell him where to put it, and he went to work putting his tools in the right place and positioning it for us. And so when we were done, I shook him in the, his hand. I looked him in the eyes and I said, thank you, much obliged. Because that's things that you do when a good old boy shows up with a diesel dually pulling a big Tex gooseneck trailer. And he has more tools in his truck than I have pens in my book bag. And I got a lot of pens. So Tommy Trailer, his wife and his kids, they decide to come to Kairos the first time, um, sit outside with us, and then pull their trailer home. Well, after I got done preaching, I hopped down off of the trailer. Didn't break anything, which was great. And while Matty Moe's up there singing and leading worship, um, Tommy Trailer makes a beeline for, for me, and he's a big old boy. I just had a strong prayer with me and my wife about racial reconciliation and repentance for the church, and so I was bracing myself for an uncomfortable confrontational conversation. He stops me, looks me dead in the eyes, and says, I owe you an apology. What for? I didn't know you were the pastor until you stepped up on that trailer and started preaching. I thought you were just some hired help from the church to put the trailer in place. I said, Woo! Good deal, because, Tommy, it is my life's goal to not look what you think a pastor should look like. Unexpected, unplanned, and utterly frightful. I mean delightful. But what do we do for me and you in life and relationships, jobs, current circumstances, economy, racial relationships, don't look the way that we thought they should. They're unexpected and unplanned. And there's a lot of heartache in this and a lot of things that God doesn't intend. But I think if you look closer into those circumstances, we can always find Jesus. 
Philip Yancey, one of his greatest quotes that I love, it's called dusting for the fingerprints of God because if we look close enough, God is in our midst. We'll acknowledge him and we'll pursue him. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast no matter where I am or what situation I find myself in. And I believe, men and women, finding God in the unexpected and unplanned takes effort, intentionality, discipline, perseverance. And I am sure that the very people who encountered Jesus needed the same thing. Oh, we thought the Son of God wouldn't look like this, talk like this, teach like this. Jesus, you're strong and you're powerful and you're authoritative, but you're also poor and homeless and hanging out with uneducated dock workers and sinners. And you're gentle and kind and humble of heart. And you're looking to serve, not be served. Wow, that's unexpected, unexplained, unplanned, and yet utterly delightful. And this is the way Jesus often introduced himself to us. So men and women, why are we surprised that when we follow Jesus, all of a sudden, it's still full of twists and turns, surprises and assurances around every corner? The life of discipleship is often unexpected, unplanned, and yet utterly delightful. So tonight, can we expect the unexpected? Can we plan for the unplanned? And can we delight in the Lord even when it's dark and difficult and, dare I say, even dangerous? Let's read our text together and pray as we're turning there. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate is broad and the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So for the past couple months, we've been marching through Matthew 6, uh, 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching on the hill, and he's showing us what the good and beautiful life looks like. And now he's going to show us how easy it can be to miss this way of life and how easy it is to fall away from following him. Jesus is showing us two roads and two gates, and in the weeks to come, he's going to show us two animals, two trees, two kinds of people, and two kinds of builders. But first, the two roads and the two gates. One's wide and easy to find, and a lot of people go down it. The other one is narrow and easy to miss. One goes with the flow, the other goes against the grain. One is driven by the wind and the other one runs against the wind. One drifts lazily downstream and the other one swims upstream, if you will. And I love this when Jesus starts talking about this because I'm attracted to religious renegades who challenge small-minded, pre-packaged, traditional mindsets and they refuse to settle for comfortable and cautious and cultural Christianity. You know those radical reformers who with reckless abandonment and love and joy and sorrow follow Jesus on the narrow road through the narrow gate and they go against the grain, against the wind, and they swim against the cultural currents straight upstream because they know the journey upstream 
leads to God's eternal joy and justice rather than getting carried away downstream to eternal death and destruction. I think my next big, uh, tattoo, it's going to be a salmon. Yeah, fishy, fishy. Now, that's not because I'm an outdoorsman, although I wish I was. The only knot I know how to tie is a double knot on my shoelaces, and I confession, I hate putting a worm on a hook. I feel bad for the worm. It's not because I like lean protein and healthy fish fat. Fish is too fishy for me. I love salmon because they swim upstream. They're waterfall leaping, bear dodging, salt to fresh water crossover artists who refuse to be categorized and they wink at gullible little guppies on their way upstream who are carried around by the currents of their settings. They race past them with risk and repentance compelled by an unexplained, unplanned, and yet undeniable force to swim for miles upstream. They risk exhaustion and certain death. Why? Because they're drawn by what is life. So I did a little research and I found out that the reason salmon swim upstream is to spawn in the very place that they were born. It's as if they're hardwired in their brain to realize that where they have wound up is not their home. Uh-oh. And they take the road less traveled by. Two roads diverged into a yellow wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. That was Walt Whitman. There's one narrow road that leads to life, and there's one wide road that leads to death. That's Jesus. I think all of us sense this in our souls, don't we? The unexpected, the unexplainable, and yet the utterly delightful draw to swim upstream to where we were created and who we were created for. It's the image of God. The Bible says God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. C.S. Lewis, he poetically describes this as the scent of a flower we have not found the echo of a tune we have not yet heard, and it's news from a country we have never yet visited, yet we're drawn. We want to swim upstream. We want to go through the narrow gate and the narrow road as Christ followers and apprentices of Jesus who are learning to be with Jesus so we can become like Jesus. The narrow road and the narrow gate is the way to life. We see and we feel that demonic draw downstream towards destruction, towards greed, towards injustice, towards oppression, where unrestrained appetites and ambitions to be pretty powerful and popular are just simply death dressed up as life in a Halloween costume. Which is why as we as Christ followers and apprentices to Jesus are to simply do this patiently and persistently pursue the narrow way. The narrow way, it's easy to pass by. It's easy to miss. It's easy to lose. And even when we find it and follow it, it can be dangerous and treacherous. It's easy on the narrow way to fall off and fall back into the wide way of like mindless and soulless and lifeless drifting. And this can even happen when we're in the midst of religion and church. The wide gates and the wide roads of mainstream religion kind of sound like this sometimes, right? Easy believism. Hey, just say a prayer and having faith in Jesus is all that matters. You don't have to be in a daily relationship or worry about daily obedience. If you can just have the right words and say the right things, you're good regardless of your daily activities or directions. 
Or it sounds like this. Hey, the only way to be a good Christian is to follow all the rules. Man, the road to discipleship is so much more than do's and don'ts. It's a person and his name is Jesus. And he is the way, the road, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. And men and women, that is not an exclusive claim. It is a distinctive claim so that you can find the narrow road. You don't just get it automatically. You don't just become a Christian because of your parents or your church or your culture or a certain ritual. Those things can all confirm your faith, but you are a Christian because of who Jesus is and your response to what he has done for you and then your commitment to follow him upstream on the narrow way, patiently and persistently pursue the narrow way. Now I gotta warn you, this will be costly. Because the straight and narrow way is not straight, by the way. S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T means a direct line. That's not the word here. It is straight. S-T-R-A-I-T. A limited spatial passageway that will be dangerous and difficult. That's the narrow road. Christian authors throughout the centuries have been trying to communicate this powerful truth to us through story and metaphor. John Bunyan is one who did it um, uh, remarkably in Pilgrim's Progress, classic, right? He describes the journey upstream for Pilgrim and he alliterates the dangers and obstacles and temptations along the way with problematic people and characters like Pliant. Pliant turns back at the first obstacle. Formalist and hypocrisy, they're all head and no heart. They say one thing and do another. Mr. Talkative, all talk, no obedience. Bayans, the one who only likes religion when it goes in a pair of silver slippers and only stays on the narrow road when the sun is shining and people are applauding. Ouch. Or there's Heinz Feet for Heinz Places, classic by Hannah Hernard. She follows the journey on the narrow road with her character Much Afraid. And for the journey, she's given two companions, suffering and sorrow. <laughs> oh my, the only way you and I are going to swim upstream and stay on the narrow straits is because of Jesus. Before us, behind us, and he's right beside us. A man who was well acquainted with suffering and sorrow, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he conquered sin and death and hell to lead us into everlasting life in the age to come. And in this age, he guaranteed us life abundantly. But it comes at a cost. It is the cost of discipleship. But you know what else has a cost? The wide way. There's a deadly cost to downstream living. Dallas Willard used to bemoan this, right? Why aren't we talking about the cost of non-discipleship? Non-discipleship, it'll cost you abiding peace. You'll miss out on a life penetrated through by love and faith that sees everything in the light of God's overriding governance for good. And you'll have a hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of situations. And you'll have the power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. In short, non-discipleship costs us exactly the abundance of life that Jesus said he came to bring us. That's John 10.10 from Dallas Willard. I would say in the words of Moses, 
today. I've set before you life and death. Choose. There's a narrow road and there's a wide road. If you choose life and you choose Jesus, and you choose to follow him through the narrow gate on the narrow path, you will discover that you have divine power and assistance to help you and transform you to patiently pursue the narrow way. The Spirit's going to empower you to swim like a salmon, right? You're going to turn this bear-dodging fierce fish, darting upstream from salt water to fresh water, compelled to get back to your Creator and that which you were created for. And you know what happens to these fish on their journey upstream? I found this out too researching. They're going through the straits of the narrow way, swimming upstream. They transform. Biologists have found that their colors change. Their muscles transform for the sprints and jumps that are required. And even their eyesight changes. Ed Young, as a scientist writing for the Atlantic Journal, found a simple biochemical switch in their retinas that enhances their ability to see infrared light. Guess what? Salmon all of a sudden have night vision so they can afford the dangers and pitfalls on their way upstream to their new home and their new life. I think that's what the Lord wants for us. Transformation. So let us all patiently pursue the narrow way as we discover the transformative power of Jesus to walk with us, before us, behind us, and right beside us. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear for the journey ahead of us. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds and just practice some listening prayer. I want you to ask uh, yourself this. What path are you on? Ponder the path that you're on. Are you on the narrow way that leads to life? Are you downstream that leads to death? Now choose to follow Jesus. And ask him to give you what he promised. His Holy Spirit as a guide, a comforter, someone who walks right alongside of you, transforming you from one degree of glory to the next, giving you everything you need. Ask him for eyes to see the road that you're supposed to walk on and the courage to stay on it. Amen.